Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. We're back just when you thought you couldn't go another day without us. I'm Paul Arnold, your host, and I'm joined by Ernest Watts and Travis Greer from North Carolina. And down in North Carolina land, they're still riding high on the Panthers' continued success. How do you guys feel today on Monday after a great game? I feel wonderful. I don't know about Ernest, but I feel fantastic uh, with the bounce back from them uh, getting their tails beat from the 49ers. So it was a good home win. And uh, I think the Panthers took a, took the, the leading pass, not pass sack rating, but the sack rating. They, they took over that that record through this game, didn't they, Ernest? Well, is there anything more bipolar than NFL fans? I mean, we're, we're truly prisoners of the moment. I think the, the loss against Frisco kind of echoed back last year when we had a similar loss against the Steelers. And that really was the end of the season because they lost six consecutive games after that. And I had texted Travis and I said, hopefully the loss at Frisco, we're not going to go through the same thing we did last year. And it, uh, yeah, I, again, well, you have a different quarterback this year, man. And Keekley's playing great. McCaffrey yeah, but, is running out of his mind. What's the deal? What's different? This the defense year besides the defense gave up 51 last year. Defense gave up 51 this year. That was the <laughs> difference. Uh, I just, I think they, they made a resolution. They played a little bit better. And, and again, they established the running attack. I like the pressure from the front makes a big difference. And before this game, you know, a lot of people in Charlotte were saying the Titans were the AFC version of the Panthers, a team that runs a lot, that has had a quarterback change. And, and you know, it's it, check, you know, we could be 180 degrees different next week after we play the Packers. So we'll, we'll see. Right. Again, NFL fans are bipolar. We're, we're, we're week to week. You don't know what you're going to get. What did you say? I wasn't focused. Oh. Uh, Travis, you have a big Panthers fan at your house, and I noticed at the end of the game you had Henry and McCaffrey switching jerseys. Your son Landon, if he could have any jersey from the Panthers, who would he want to have? I think you would have uh, Luke Heakley. He's got he's sort of like Ernest. Uh, he's got the man crush on Luke Heakley uh, with uh, McCaffrey starting to go out over the next few years. Uh, McCaffrey, I think, is starting to be an uh, emerging fan of my son and myself. He's just, he's just a beast. I mean, and and it's just a wonder what he can do. And sometimes it's just like, man, it's like, it's like red light in a car. It's like you're just giving him the ball constantly. It's like, when's he going to wear out or when's he going to blow a gasket? But it's, they're they're keeping it going and uh, they're keeping pounding. So he will. But yeah, I think Luke Heakley. I think he's the the player to go for. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's. There have been some great blocks too. I, it's like the trap blocks are working awesome. Is that right? Yeah. Ernest? I mean, let's, let's put on the reality train here. Okay. No, no. I'd like the fancy uh, train. I was going to say, say our best bet is a rogue wild card earth because Dallas is going to win the East. The Packers are going to win the Central. The South, I mean, we're not going to catch New Orleans. 49ers are going to take the West. And right now we're battling Seattle, the Vikings, for that last wild card berth. I mean, that's that's. But yeah, the blocking the Ernest, offensive line coach. Come on, a great man, job. believe you got to believe. I don't drink the Kool Aid. Sorry, or actually, it wasn't Kool Aid. Did you know that fact? That in Jonestown, it was actually uh, wasn't Kool Aid. It was the what's the other flavor drink? Flavor Aid. They drunk. 
Flavor. Oh, yeah. Wow. Flavor. After all these years, I've we've seen Flavor Aid. After all these years, we said drink the Kool Aid in reference in case poses of you too young to remember Reverend Jim Jones in Jonestown. Google it. And the expression has come drink the Kool Aid. It's really. I know. Every time I hear that expression, I think of the horrible um, origin of that story. So let's move on to another game that happened yesterday. And Ernest, I bow down before your great prognostication. You said, you told me last week in our podcast that the Ravens would beat the undefeated Patriots. And I was saying, there's no way. Jackson is 2-1 dimensional. And what happened last night, Ernest? Well, basically, the, the key to beating them is you, you keep Brady on the sidelines. They had a 2-1 to one minutes ratio in possession of the time, and they were able to run the ball. It wasn't just Jackson. It was Mark Ingram, and they, they're, they're blocking. Their offensive line is, is so good, and the defense frustrated Brady enough. And you got to remember, Harbaugh does a John Harbaugh has beaten the Patriots twice in the playoffs in New England. I mean, if anybody in the AFC knows how to, you know, sit with Belichick eyeball to eyeball, it's him. And these these are different teams. Flacco's gone. I mean, it's, he's he's rechanged the whole offense. And I think Jackson brings on a quality. Of course, everybody, Jackson's first two years, they're saying, well, look at RG3, look at Michael Vick. But if we see what Watson's doing at Houston, there's a place in the NFL for this type of offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Travis, when you see uh, a game like the Ravens against the Patriots, were you on the Ravens bandwagon, and do you think they can sustain it? Yeah, I was watching a little bit of the game last night, uh, and I, I really see a young type of Cam Newton or, or uh, Michael Vick and in, in Lamar Jackson, and he just – the way he moves reminds me the most most importantly of, of Michael Vick. Uh, he made one move, one play, and it was just it's like, where did he go? And I think they had – as far as the win last night, of course, I, I was pulling for – anybody but New England. It was, it was just great to see New England lose one. And I think the Ravens had a good home field advantage. That, that was what pushed them through to the win. Uh, but I I think Baltimore, as Ernest has lived over the past several podcasts, being a faithful listener and uh, <laughs> around, around the office with Ernest uh, and seeing him around the, the area through work, uh, I think Baltimore has got to be a team we've got to be uh, hesitant about. And we're halfway through the season and it's, as I heard somebody say the other day, you know, team seasons will go one way or the other. You could have a four and four team uh, end up ten and ten and six, or or and make mm-hmm. the playoffs. You know, so you never know. This is the turning point, so you will the season. So it's going to be interesting to see. One team that I think is going to flop the second half of the season is the San Francisco 49ers based on their schedule Ooh. and who they play. I do. I do. I think. Wow. I know they beat the Panthers' tails last week, but I think they're really going to hit a wall, so you will, uh, this second part of the season. Okay. Well, last week between, uh, you know, during the weekdays, they were talking about maybe, maybe the Cleveland Browns could turn it around because all the teams that are playing basically the rest of the season are bad teams, losing teams. And then they laid a big egg against the Denver Broncos. And I think about how the Broncos don't even have Flacco and another guy named Allen who plays quarterback came in and throw two touchdowns. And if if the Browns can't do good against the Broncos, you wonder how much longer is Kitchen going to be 
the head coach. What about it, Ernest? You think he'll be around much longer? I think it's his last year, but did you realize yesterday is the first time in the 100 years of the NFL that you had three quarterbacks <laughs> of the same last name that won their game? Josh Allen <laughs> at Buffalo, Brandon <laughs> Allen at Denver, and our own little Allen with the Patriots. Do you know where Brandon Allen played college ball at? Boise State. Arkansas. He was cut by the Rams. He was two Uh, years back up at the Rams. None of the quarterbacks on the Broncos staff right now had, prior to yesterday, had started an NFL game. Except for John Elway, but he was not not an active roster. And that's the first time that a team has gone into week nine of the season with no quarterbacks that had started an NFL game in the 100 years of the NFL history. 100 years still making history. Yeah. I mean, how many quarterbacks have gone down this year? It's just an unbelievable rate this year, I think. It's well, and you know, they're protecting the quarterbacks even more. But guys are faster, they're quicker. A lot of these injuries aren't, I mean, you know, uh, Cam's was a list frank which is a ligament in the foot. Uh, these aren't big injuries. I think guys are bigger, they're stronger, and they tend to break down. It's, it's like the newer cars. It takes the least little thing to break it down, one little sensor. I think you got bigger, stronger players. It's easier to tweak something and, and have injuries in that problems. But I think Freddie Kitchens is gone, and I think to a certain extent that's a little unfair because of the hype the Browns got at the beginning of the year. They cut their yeah, blame it on Geico. yeah. Well, they, you know that, and they they cut their starting safety after he uh, sent out a, a, a kind of a tweet. Yeah, Whitehead yeah. after yesterday. I just think the expectations were were so much, and then with the Steelers, when Big Ben went down at the beginning of the season, they thought, well, we've got an inside track. Now remember, they did beat the Ravens at Baltimore, so there's talent mm-hmm. there. But but I think. We kind of over everybody kind of oversold them to that extent, you know. I like Landry, I like OBJ, and and but you know, wide receivers aren't the key to winning championships. Offensive line. I baby. mean, outside of Moss, who the Patriots have had, who was a, a great Hall of Fame wide receiver, and they only had him for a season and a half. Still didn't win the Super Bowl with him. Yeah. I, yeah, think there's the a, I think there's a comeback. I hope, come back, come back with the running backs. I think we're seeing a transition. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I think if you look at the, the draft stock and you talk about Ernest with the wide receivers and the quarterbacks breaking down, I think we're seeing a transition of bringing the power run back and having those on front on front linemen open up holes and pulling and. That's that's the kind of football I enjoy. I, I like seeing that balanced football. Well, you look at the, and run. You look at the teams that are successful now. The 49ers have Coleman and Berea. Jones has really been the difference in the, the Packers team in his running attack. Uh, you know, the Cowboys are built behind number 21 there. And yeah. Kamea is really what makes the Saints. I mean, every one of these teams outside of the Patriots, and the Patriots only need number 12, they're built upon that that stud running back, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it hasn't worked so well for the. Um, oh, I'm just thinking in Nashville, the Titans. You know, they got Henry, Alabama, big white, a big running back, and yet he seems so slow. His acceleration, 
Although, if he can get a gap and get it up to speed, he looks good. So, you know, Ingram's about the only Alabama running back that's really done fairly well in the pros. Um, Kamea. And we, he went to yeah, Alabama? went to Alabama, then transferred to Tennessee. Oh, he was like, okay. he was fourth string. Fourth string. That's crazy, isn't it? How well, guys. So you guys, yeah, you know, look at look at the quarterbacks who are successful now. I mean, you were at Michigan for Brady. He wasn't. I mean, what seventh round? When was he drafted? Fifth round, seventh round, sixth, sixth round. round. He wasn't a stud. Yeah. I mean, look at the quarterbacks now. Rodgers was, you know, waited to the end of the first round to be picked. Breeze was mm-hmm. picked in the second round. Drew Brees. I mean, it, it's it's really a gamble when you draft. You really don't know. I mean, when the Panthers drafted McCaffrey, I, I had my doubts if he was big enough. I mean, I'd seen him play at Stanford. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, I wanted Fournette. I mean, I'm going to own up. I wanted Fournette because he looked like a you mean you were wrong about oh, something? Oh, quite a else? few times. Fournette looked like a stud. That's what your wife yes, says, too. That's so. what everybody who knows me says. All right, Travis, I have a question for Travis. Travis, if you could go to any stadium besides in Charlotte, any NFL stadium, like it was a bucket list type thing, what stadium would you go to? Hmm. I would – I think I'd like to go see an indoor stadium. I'm not a okay. Dallas fan, but – I think I'd like to go see Dallas play just based on the, their history. I would say Dallas, uh, say the Redskins at Dallas on Thanksgiving day. That would be pretty awesome. Ooh, sure. Yeah. That's, that just, would. that's just, his, that's history right there. That's NFL history and being the atmosphere and uh, just seeing yeah. the stadium. You got Texas football. Uh, just, I think an indoor arena football type, type of, not arena oh, football, so, but Yeah. <laughs> He just made me feel old because that stadium's only been open for like 12 years. I know. I know. I know. Travis did make me feel I was going to say Lambeau because hey, I want to yeah. go to Lambeau when it's cold. And and everybody's cold except for the players on the heated field. And just how you hear about Lambeau over the years, uh, I think that would be very cool to see Lambeau because I can't think of another stadium and NFL is that old anymore? Oh, Ernest, where would you yeah, go? There's one that's just as old as it is, and you've been, you and I have both rode by it, Soldier Field. Oh yeah. well, that's really they redid it. They dropped a spaceship on top. Yeah, of the but old you still got the Soldier columns Field. outside. I mean, uh, I mean that was when that stadium was first built in the 20s, and that was a WPA project, which was the government trying to put people to work during the Depression. Uh, it actually seated 120,000, and they've redone it and shortened it and closed it. I mean, a tie between it and the Coliseum because of the historical aspects. Coliseum's had uh, two Olympics. It's about to have a third right. one in another 10 years. And hey, it's, I'm going to do this for Nate. What, weren't you there to help him build that, Ernest? Uh, pretty much. No, <laughs> oh, no. uh, do you know the, uh, first, the first Rose Bowl game was in 1903, and then so few people show up <laughs> that for 10 years they canceled the game and had chariot races. Believe it or not, did not the next her was yeah. I mean, then. Rose Bowl didn't start back again till 1913. Then of course she had World War Two, but World War One, excuse me. But yeah, the, yeah, the Coliseum and Soldier Field. I mean, those are ones I've been to Lambeau, so I'm disqualified there. And I went to Yankee, the old Yankee Stadium. 
which yeah. was Lambo as good as he thought it was oh, going to yeah. be, or oh, not yeah. quite? And then the guy that showed me actually took us to the end zone where Bart Starr, uh, the the ice bowl. But now you, it was yeah. just one level, and then they've built two more levels on it since right. then. Before right. that, I mean, All that's right, so not before, that old. I mean, that stadium didn't open until 1960. Before that, they played in the high school field. All right. So before we go on to the subject, I want to sort of do two early predictions because you see that all the time on TV. As of today, Travis, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Mm. Travis is. Let's see. Mm, he's eating that turkey sandwich or I had, that uh, peanut butter and banana sandwich yeah. for a late snack. I can tell. <laughs> With a glass of milk, that would be good. Um, peanut butter, banana sandwich. How about cornbread and milk? Cornbread, though, that's what we do down in the south, right? Cornbread. I've, heard, I've had it. Cornbread and buttermilk. Mm. How about we just take the two was, teams? Two teams we think will be in the Super Bowl. That'll make it easier. Okay. I, I say the Seahawks. They're going to come back. That's what my AFC Ooh. team and okay. NFC. Uh, they actually Seahawks are NFC. Oh no! Yeah, I'm bad about that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Drew Brees is going back to the Super Bowl. He's gonna win the Super Bowl, Ooh. and he's gonna okay. beat he's gonna beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. That's that was my prediction last year. Was you're gonna have two uh -huh. veterans going at it again, and uh, I think that's gonna be your setup this year: New England Patriots and the uh, New Orleans Saints. And it almost happened, except for a pass interference call that wasn't called. So you never right. know. Uh, Ernest, your prediction? Uh, I'm going to go on a wild branch. They either look very foolish or like a genius. But I'm going to pick uh, not again in good graces with my daughter-in-law and my sister-in-law. But the Green Bay Packers will lose to the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, wow. That's a pretty bold choice. And once again... Harbaugh, well, it wasn't Harbaugh who won it with the yeah, week yeah. That was Harbaugh um, when they beat the uh, the Forty ers No, the time before that when oh, they had um. That was Billick. Detmer. That was Brian Billick. That was Billick. Yeah, yeah. You can think that I know it's sort of a sore subject, but Ravens have been a pretty good team over the last twenty years, and that leads us to our next segment, which Travis suggested, and he was saying, "What have been the best teams of the two thousand tens?" This last decade, because we're coming close to the end of a decade, which makes me feel incredibly old. But anyway, so in the last 10 years, what teams in sports, and we can do NFL or sports, but we'll start with NFL, do you think have been the biggest dominant teams? And I think I'm just going to take off the table the Patriots, because that's just oh, too oh, obvious. Oh, that was too easy. That boy, that now you're going to make us now. That's that's too we, easy. We gotta, so if you couldn't, we can't even come up with a name for the decade. We couldn't do that for the previous decade. We can't do that with this decade, much less to come with best. And, and are we going to call the next decade the not so roaring twenties? <laughs> no, it'll be the best vision twenty twenty. Oh, okay, get it. Um, yeah. So maybe I know it's so easy to say P Patriots, um, but besides the Patriots, who's had the best? last 10 years in the NFL. Could you say that, uh, like, the Saints have been good, but they, they won over 10 years ago, didn't they? Or close to it? They won the last one. They, they won. won one. Right. So besides the Patriots, 
You could say the Giants. I was going to say Giants got two, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, I'll say. Uh, no, Giants just Giants just got one. He's looking at. Yeah, he, he cheated. He cheated. He cheated. Patriots. No. I mean, won. who's been consistent? The Packers have been really consistent, but they haven't won I mean, much into a Super Bowl. You can't say them. You can't say the Cowboys. I mean, realistically, it's Eagles, Patriots, Broncos, Seahawks. Steelers haven't been in no. a Super Bowl in the last 10 years. Giants, Ravens, okay. Seahawks, Patriots, Broncos, Eagles. That's your, your teams. Yeah. I mean, you got to go Patriots. Yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, it's... If you're gonna say best, it's, it's not, not even close. Is yeah, it? it's not even close. No other team. Is, I think the more debatable is is MLB. I, I only only one other in. team has been to two Super Bowls in this decade, other than the Patriots. You know who that is, don't you? Well, Let me know. It's getting late at night. Tell uh, Seahawks. Me. They Seahawks. won one, and then they lost right. to the 49ers. I mean, to the Patriots. And. And that Denver Bronco loss to the Seahawks was one of the most quickly heartbreaking losses because I was rooting for Peyton Manning, but it was just a disaster from the first quarter on. I don't think I've ever seen a team show up so much in the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, I have quite a few, but you got to go back. Well, the Falcons had the most heartbreaking loss of the Super Bowl. I would say that's yeah. the most disappointing heartbreak Super Bowl loss. This decade, yes, I agree with so that. Is it worse to lose in overtime or to get blown out the first five minutes, like the <laughs> like the Broncos did against the Forty Nine? Yeah, neither is good. I, I'll say neither. It just they were both. I mean, the Patriots. I guess it just adds to the legend of Brady, right? Well, but and, as a as a Panther fan, we had two games which we had a chance to win in the last five minutes. And that's yeah. still if we've gotten blown out, you know, you get you get your butt whipped, you get your butt whipped. I mean, that's you take your whipping like a man. But when you lose by one play, or, or in the case of the Panthers, John Casey kicking out of bounds to give Brady two minutes to go to march down and get a field goal by Vinatieri, you, you go back to every little play during the game and what have we done this? What have we done that? And when it, your team's just better, you you accept that you weren't the best team. Right. And I think Travis has a point that maybe we should go on to baseball because even if we went to college football, there's only been two teams that have been dominant, Alabama and Clemson. And so in baseball, Travis, what would you say the most, the best, one of the best teams in the 2010s? I'd have to go with the Giants. They, of course, they've had the most um, major league wins, uh, kind of on the early in the. 2010s. I would say the the Giants. They were pretty dominant, but it's just debatable. Um, you had the Royals. They won <clears throat> one time. Who else? Um, it's, it's a few days ago when I was reading Red that Sox. Article. Red Sox. Yeah, I, I got to go with the Red uh, Sox. Yeah, they won it twice, right? Twi- two times. But uh, yeah, the Giants were pretty dominant back in the day. Practically, the the, the for all practical reasons. The Red Sox are the Yankees of the 21st century because they've got three wins, three. Yeah, I got that right. Three World Series or four. Does that make the Yankees four. the Red Sox of the 20th century? They got century? four World Series wins of the last 19 years. 
No, the Yankees haven't been in in ten years. The Yankees. Right? I'm yeah, saying yeah. they're they're the Red Sox of the 20th. They're the century. Seattle Mariners. They did win one this this century, but not this decade. Yeah. They beat yeah. the Phillies in I will say 2007, six. Yeah, I believe seven. So, in a way, baseball is it harder to stay on top of baseball than football because you already hear some of the players who are free agents. Like for Houston, saying you know they won't be back. Like their best pitchers is not coming back, and Strasburg is going to test the market. And the way that the salary crap is set, crap, I guess I, I said not cap. Excuse me, folks, cap. Some people call it the cap. other, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> it's set up. So what? Is, what sport is harder to stay on top? And is it basketball or football? I mean, baseball or football? For me, it's got to be baseball. That's a long season, y'all. I mean, we've we've seen the same three teams for the last six years in NBA. In in the NCAA, there's 10 teams that realistically – every year we talk about, oh, the the, the Cinderella's, the upsets, you know, the March Madness. But we usually come down to the same set of 10 teams. I mean, the last – Team, I mean, Villanova is the only team in the last 40 years outside of the big five conferences that's won a championship. Football. So the sport that has the most parity is hockey, you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no earthly way. Nobody knew. I mean, the Capitals were considered to be chokers before two years ago. And the Blues, it's the first time in 50 years they got the Stanley Cup Finals. Hockey, I mean. Certain sports lend themselves to one individual lifting the team up on their shoulders. And that's a goalie in hockey. Football is so integrated and takes so many moving pieces and so many parts that one guy, I mean, people are going to say Brady, yeah, but let's face it, it's more Belichick than Brady. Uh, football is hard for one individual to, to flip the switch. Even in baseball, unless it's a pitcher, it, it's hard to do it also. But in basketball, one guy can be so dominant that he can take a team to a championship. Mm-hmm. The fascinating thing to me is, and we talked a little bit about last week, is every year we know what it takes to win a championship. In college basketball, it's a point guard. In baseball, it's a pitching staff. In football, it's it's defense. And in in you know, in, in what sport did I forget? In hockey, it's a hot goalie. And if you have those things, mm-hmm. you, you got a leg up in winning a championship. Mm-hmm. I, I want well, to say this, change. too. Yeah. Oh, I, go ahead, Travis. I, I, think it's, I think it's given life circumstances, too, like when it's hard to keep up the sports. I have to think about that. Uh, just like, hey, having, having a family and stuff like that and, it's, and work, things that are going on, mm-hmm. just kind of hard to keep up with. With that's what's going on. You go through seasons, and Ernest kind of closed your podcast last week about uh, don't pretty much summed it up in my words. Don't get your panties in a wad about one team, right? And you know it's just sports, and it's supposed to be a good stress relief. And um, so yeah, I think it's seasonal. And sometimes I feel inadequate coming on here and even just shooting the bull with Ernest at work. And you guys here on the podcast, it's like, man, these guys can they can spew the stats and all the information out about what's going on. And, but I just enjoy talking about it, you know, and I, I don't, I think that's kind of some pressure that we feel sometimes is to, and the stress is to keep yeah. up and be able to. Hey, Travis, yeah. I got a secret for you, man. Yeah. You, I'll give you a secret. Don't tell any other co-host. 
I don't try to keep up with Ernest. I listen <laughs> and ask a question about his statistic, and then I can act like I know about it. See? Well, well so I, bringing that point, let me bring up something that you may have accidentally stumbled into. Uh, I think the difference, a lot of sports also, is a sense of team. When Cole showed up for the post game after the Astros lost to the Nationals, he was uh-huh, wearing a right. Scott Boris hat, not a Houston hat. He had his a agent. T-shirt like, that basically said, <laughs> "Advertising his yeah, I'm out of here." That's basically it. Football, <laughs> because of offensive line and defense to an extent, particularly defense, the front seven have to work as part of an integrated team. There's more of a team aspect, and that's why, you know, that's why it's it's easier to build in football once you get those elements together. But since we've got into salary caps for all sports. It's kind of like salary caps are a little bit like the old shuffle game, okay? Those of you too young to understand, it was a little parlay game where they have little (laughs) cups, and you have to guess where the red ball is. Because you can't pay to get the best players in every position, you know you're going to be short somewhere. Be that backup quarterback, be that running back, be defensive line, be that your point guard – be that your pitching staff and all teams are successful sports. The ones that win championships are the ones that are able to swap maybe by using young players who are locked into lower paid contracts are able to shuffle that ball and cover that weak spot. Mm-hmm. Belichick's done yeah. that perfectly for the last 20 years. That's true. Travis, you were mentioned earlier that your son was playing football, and you played football as well, right? I did. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. So, so if you played high school football, what did you enjoy most, or what do you miss most of not being part of a team like that? What I miss most being part of a team is... I believe I would just say being with the guys, you know? Being with the guys and working hard and towards a purpose. Right, same and, purpose. Yeah, having a purpose, going for a goal, going for a win. And if I could tell my high school self something once again, as far as if I was back in that time frame, like playing uh-huh. football, I would say I would, I would be more dedicated. I was dedicated to the game. I mean, I played – I was able to play my sophomore year on the opposite side of my brother on, on defense starting varsity. And, but, uh, I would nice. say I, don't not, don't focus so much on the, on the, on the girls, you know, I was focused on the ladies and, uh, oh, being, being tied Travis, down. I, I was think you're a player, man. I wasn't a player. I mean, I was, I was dedicated to one, but I, uh, I just wouldn't have been so focused on that. And what, what could have been, what could have been if I maybe went to a junior mm-hmm. college and played and applied myself a bit more and, um, but yeah, I just miss the camaraderie and the, and the, and being with the guys and, uh, just, just the atmosphere, just that, that boy, the boys of fall type atmosphere. And I hope to be able to enjoy that with my kid and my son one day, if he wishes to do so, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I agree. When I, I, my sport was hockey. I, I played hockey all the way through high school and, um, I agree being in the locker room, guys being together, giving each other the hard times having nicknames that you can share and some you can't. Um, and, um, <laughs> yeah, that that was good times, and uh, it wasn't perfect. And uh, 
we had a rough season, but we had one key victory toward the end, and uh, I had my best game of my career. And after the game was over, uh, a bunch of guys, hey, let's go out, let's go out and party. And at that point, I had already celebrated with them, and I thought, no, I want to go back home and celebrate with my dad and my brother who had been stuck by me the whole season when people were calling saying, oh, he shouldn't start and he's no good. Yeah, I wanted to go home and celebrate with them. And that one night going back and them being so happy when I came through the door, they're yelling and screaming and having a great time. That's one of my sweetest memories of all time. Um, and with my son, he had a couple really good games I remember talking about on the way home. And Ernest knows this feeling with kids. And it's you have some great times ahead of you. Um, and I think it's having that common purpose or... Um, just applying yourself, seeing how much you can do. So, Ernest, can you think of a moment or two, either when you were playing or when your boys were playing, that you wouldn't exchange for anything? Oh, there's so many. I think the real strength of those relationships we have as being part of a team is that's probably the only relationships that we don't have to nurture on a constant basis. My quarterback in high school, is uh, he plays in a gospel choir. And I could call him up tomorrow and we would be talking like we did 50 years ago. I mean, the, the separation of time has no difference. We, we're, we have that bond that we can speak in that respect. I know my sons, the guys they play with on basketball and football and baseball, they can just pick it up like that. I mean, both of my sons still have relationships with kids they play rec ball with in high school and, and, and Justin, guys he played college ball with. And it's all of the relationships in our lives, be it marriage, church, work, those are things we constantly have to nurture. But that team relationship that with our teammates just picks up. I mean, there are guys I went to college with that I can't stand right now. We are politically different. <laughs> They're trying to sell me something. They're a different person. They will tell you I'm a different person, but I think I'm pretty much the same. And, and it's because I didn't nurture that relationship. I didn't keep up with them. And, you know, now we're vastly different people. But the sports relationships, the kids I coached in ball, the kids my sons played with, the, the kids I play, guys I played with, the old men I played with, those are things you pick up. And it doesn't matter the politics or your religion or their lifestyle. It's a bond, you know, it, uh, the you know Native Americans used to call it blood brothers, where they would actually cut each other and they would mix the blood, and that would show a bond. Right. That sports has that blood brothership kin to it. That, that you are, you evoke a, a relationship because you depended on each other. You put all your trust in them on the sports field. You you again put your trust in them, and it was rewarded. And you were vulnerable. And you opened yourself up like you do in no other relationship. Well, that was deep. I didn't mean to go that deep. Sorry, folks. Wow, that was really deep. deep yeah, fire. and I there's I think guys in general need uh, something to shoot for, to go for, and that band of brothers really is a good analogy. I think because it's, it's doing like it together. You, you're right. You're like the military. It you, is like the military. Yeah, you want to feel like you're, you want to. Everybody wants to be part of something bigger than themselves i think that's the right, right. to belong we, we used to have yeah, a saying definitely. back uh we still say it sometimes me and my some of my old high school friends we keep keep in touch but we used to say i wrestled in high school uh 
and the, the same should be if you once you've wrestled in life everything else should be easier you know i think about that sometimes with work too it's like man this, this is this is tough i really don't want to do this it's hard work whatever not necessarily physically hard work but you know, think back to your days like uh, playing sports you know you got to push yourself to and to apply yourself even when you when you really don't want to because there's been times hey when you go to practice and you don't want to and you got to push yourself uh, you got to fight your feelings, so you will. But uh, I've, I've got a lot of good memories, uh, especially playing with a guy, and I people still keep keep in contact with him. I, I call him a, I call him a mini Ernest. He's uh, he's Ernest as mini me, <laughs> and he he spouts off the sports facts, and uh, he keeps my news feed up on Facebook, blowed up with all kind of sports statistics. And uh, he's uh, he's a great friend of mine. We still keep in touch for sure, but. Uh, Mm-mm. yeah this is good stuff and um i also found that it happens with coaches too like you have of course i'm going to go back the, to talk about hardball because no podcast of mine is complete without at least one mention of a hardball but um i noticed the sort of a band of brothers within the coaching ranks as well and just yesterday willie tagger got fired down in florida state everybody saw it coming and um but he was part of this coaching tree that included the Harbaugh's that look out for each other and, and spent a season together, you know, coaching and trying to develop up. And so they look out for each other and they'll find each other jobs and they'll look out for each other in a lot of different ways. So you guys, what do you think? Where, who's going to be the next coach of Florida State? Ernest, is it going to be Fleck from Minnesota or is it going to be Meyer from uh, Fox Sports? <laughs> You know, they've got an entire mess because the president's leaving the school. The AD is way over his head. He's leaving also. So I just kind of wonder until they get at least a president in hand or they get an athletic director, if they're going to even make a direction. I mean, would Fleck go there? I mean, to the extent Fleck looks like I'm in the, the Big Ten West, I mean, it's... You know, he's going to come down to reality. He would go in a heartbeat, man. He's all about reaching goals and dreams. You're going, that guy is one of the most ambitious guys I've ever seen. But you're going to be, you're going to be in a situation where are they going to give you four years to bring in your recruits and win? He's got Minnesota 8-0 and oh in two years. But, but who I know knows? Had a weak schedule, but who but knows? Still. Who's watching that? I mean, <laughs> You know, Meyer was in Florida, likes the Florida area. That's okay. Meyer's going to be SC or Florida, right? Pretty much we agree he's going to have to USC or go to the state yeah, of Florida, yeah, as you're saying. Yeah. Go to Florida State, where essentially you only have one roadblock in your way, and that's going to be Clemson. And, you know, he may feel like he owes Clemson a little bit. But you're going to be competing against Florida. You're going to be competing against Miami. I, I just don't know. USC, the talent comes there. You don't have to recruit. He may go to USC, but I don't know if 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 Fleck is the situation. You know, Bobby Bowden's looking pretty fresh these days. Maybe Bobby will come back. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of Bowden's Bobby out there. He's in. like 92, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, but he's pretty spry in that respect. I mean, it's um, oh, or you know, Terry is, is one of his two sons come in. I, you know, Mar- remember this name, Mario Cristobal. 
He, he's at he's Oregon, in Oregon right? but he's from Florida. But area. that's where Taker came from, too. Yeah, but you're going to get two coaches in a row from Oregon. Cristobal's Miami area. I mean, it's 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 uh, uh, it's again. But how quick are they going to pull the trigger? I mean, a year and a half is not. I know looking bad, and and they got really blistered by Florida. But that's his recruits. He's got. Come, they're gonna. You you make this decision this early in the season. You better have someone hired by the end of the month, or you're gonna lose a year of recruiting. That's the danger. Yeah, they the donors supposedly came up with like anywhere from thirteen to twenty million dollars to get Taggart out of his contract. Who and he's gonna get seventeen million for doing nothing. If he doesn't sign with another See, team, my fear is he'll probably yeah, sign. My fear is you're gonna have another Tennessee situation. You remember that clown show Tennessee went through two years ago? Shivano <laughs> and about everybody else. Butch Jones. Yeah. yeah and then speaking of, has somebody uh requisitioned his uh his career enough down there at Florida International to possibly be a candidate? Lane Kiffin? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think he's just sort of where he's at. So, uh, Trevor, we're going to get you back in this conversation. Okay. So, football coaches, we had one week, you know, who would we want to play for? I don't think you were in on that one. So, if there, any current uh, football coaches, who would you want to play for? Oh. NFL or uh, you think college, NCAA? College, probably. Because in college, it. It's still, you know, I think the pro, you're really a pro, and the camaraderie right. is not quite the same as it is in college. Uh, be honest with you, I, I couldn't tell you guys. You, I know you guys are know all these coaches. All right, let I me give you choices, well though. Enough. Yeah, give me a choice. How about Debo or Saban? Which one between the two? Which one's a good real country Louisiana guy? Uh, is that Saban's, Dabo? No. Saban's more of a CEO. Dabo's more personable and... Orgeron at LSU is, yeah, is that the guy, the real good old boy. Uh, Bayou guy? Yeah, Cajun, yes. Yeah. Ed Orgeron. Who's his name? What's his name? Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron. <laughs> yeah. It'd just be fun you, to be a fly on the wall like in the locker him. room to hear him talk all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen some, Well, uh, they went from less miles to him. Think about that. So. Yeah. We know it. Yeah, In so honor of good, this is the beginning coaches. of college basketball season. Yes, it is, folks. I'm not making this up. Uh, Ernest, you had you don't have enough sports already. Well, you have to add another sport what, to your what life. What college no, basketball be... coach would you play for? I'll go. I'll, I'll go you first. <laughs> oh, because everybody knows my. Oh, answer. come on. You guys are going to both say Roy. There's just no question about it. There's no way. It, there's only one coach in North yeah. Carolina for you guys, Roy Williams. Dang, Gomes, you're right. Um, <laughs> no, but back it up. Let, let me tell you a story. Back it up. Let, give me the mic a little bit. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, who I wouldn't play for. I, we were in Winston-Salem one time. I think Ernest was up there, too, for the, a similar work-related event. So I was like, hey, it's it's college football season. I'm going to go check out Wake Forest, see what they're up to. I found their practice field. It wasn't gated off or anything. So I walked up. Uh, I was taking a peek at Wake Forest. And they, they barked uh-huh. at me. They ran me off. I tell you that much. I wouldn't play for them. <laughs> or <laughs> it was it was really? quite Dave Clausen's the coach there. He came from Bowling Green. Yeah, this was he's done maybe a pretty what, good job there. Ago. But you must have looked suspicious, man. Yeah, he was there I'm two a... years ago. Yeah, I was, you must uh... look suspicious. Yes, I probably were. Was. You writing down notes? <laughs> <laughs> you should have no, I just pulled my phone out. 
yeah, I took I pulled my phone out to take a picture and, and they started barking at me. It's like, good gracious. Okay, I'll get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of me and my but, brother had the rare pleasure we got to walk in and watch Dean Smith's practice. And they did not run us off. Nice. Wow. And that was a that was a very special then I had a relationship because I had been JV coach for a community college and we played the JV games against Carolina's JV team. So I had a in in that respect. Yeah, so you like to tell that story. Yes. Didn't you shake hands and he called you coach? Yes, yes. <laughs> I I've heard this story yes. maybe uh, hey, two or three times before. Story. Coach Watts. <laughs> but I don't, yeah, I don't know if I'd like to play over. I wouldn't like to play basketball for anybody. I, I, I tried it one time, guys, when I was younger. Like this ain't for me. I I enjoyed. I played shoot hoops all the time, but I, I would. I tell you, probably wouldn't like playing baseball, uh, basketball for uh, a team. Mm. You know, I just like shooting around the hoop, backyard basketball. But uh, backyard basketball, yeah, just having a good time. Did you? Did all you right, guys, guys ever play ball? Wrap it. Ernest played. I know he did, oh, yeah. and I had yeah. to make a choice between hockey and basketball. And since yeah. I knew I wasn't going to be taller than five ten. Or five eleven, it was a pretty easy choice for me. So well, yeah, here, but I'll, I'll never laughs. I played football, basketball, baseball, and I ran track and field. But I'll thank you, Paul, for last week. He was the old segment. school Bruce. I'll never what forget. What that? I'll never forget. Thank you for last week. Uh, when I see Ernest and talk to him now, all I can think of is his uh, sports nickname or just general nickname back in the day, Kilowatt. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yes. I don't know if they're talking about his energy source or his weight, but I, I don't know. What, it was better uh, than Ernest T. Bass. I assure you better than Ernest T. Bass. <laughs> oh, that Travis, since you bring it up, uh, we talked about our nicknames or some of them. Did you have a nickname in high school playing ball? Uh, no, not really. You know, I got the co common thing that coaches do. They just throw, throw your last name out there, but uh, – People used to call me uh, Traverse, uh, which I didn't know what that meant back in the day. But this, that instead of Travis, they say, hey, Traverse, uh, or something uh -huh. like that. I don't know. Um, Brick and Frack, I used to be called that. I don't know, you know, back in the day. <laughs> because your Brick brother was on a team. Yeah, because your brother was yeah. on a team. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches uh -huh. that or they go Pete and repeat. Pete and yeah. repeat. Uh -huh. oh, we were, uh, we at one time were – and picking on you two guys since you're kind of uh balding a little bit uh picking on the guys but me bit. and my brother me and my brother we one time had a uh bad haircut by my mom thanks mom um so she had to pretty much take us down to a one and to fix her mistake and people at our <laughs> church people at our church called us the chemo kids oh wow Wow. Nothing like forgiveness from church folks. If, if anybody is yeah, understanding, church, it's church. Take the high road there. Yes. Remember in the Bible, there was a prophet who called out bears to eat the kids who teased him for being bald. Just, just saying, it's in the Bible. <laughs> so anyways, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, we're coming up to the end of our time. Uh, Travis, do you have anything that you're going to be looking forward to this next week with uh now that your son's done with this football game, are you looking forward to some other sporting events on TV? I am. I'm looking forward to coming home, getting home from work about 6 o'clock, and since it's dark, we can come home, take it easy, uh, and maybe catch up on some uh, gaming with my son on the Xbox and playing some 
some ball, but uh, as far nice. as some sports, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward. To, I know it's the week, the month of Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving Day football and basketball and stuff like that. Watching that on TV. So. And you gotta follow your Hurricanes now too. Now that you've I been will. to a game. I will. Hey, we didn't bring hockey up this time. You did. Uh, but yeah, be watching. I know. Well, it's because I knew Ernest is going to get to it one way or the other. Ernest, your <laughs> final words for tonight? Uh, two things in mind. This week's game of the century, uh, LSU at Alabama, which is a playoff elimination game. Uh, it'd be interesting to see yes. if Alabama. No, it isn't. They're both going to be in it. Yeah, well, it depends on what happens to other teams and the winner, how they do against the SEC championship. I think if LSU loses, they'll still be in. I don't know if Alabama. There's a way for Alabama to lose and not be in the Final Four. But it, it's it's mm. again, it's usually for these games at night, and uh, this is going to be a three thirty game on CBS. And more importantly, next Monday is Veterans Day. Okay, I wish we were as, as forthright as our good friends to the north. Canada, where they put on their poppies to remind us of those veterans that gave their lives to, you know, that we were able to do podcasts and bore you to death about our past sports accomplishments. But, you know, <laughs> in the rush between Halloween and New Year's, we kind of blow off Veterans Day. It's kind of like, oh, good, I get a day off. Uh, but as coming from a family, my dad was a vet, my grandfather was a vet, a great-grandfather, my uncles, my two brothers. We don't do enough to honor these young men who sometimes at age 18 go the other way around the world and put their lives in danger and have to tell their family to put their lives on hold while they are protecting us in our warm homes watching sports on TV or doing podcasts where we talk about ball games. And, you know, we won't even be bothered long enough to go to the veterans parade or put our flag out, but take a moment. And those veterans that, you know, in your family and your church and your neighborhood, take a genuine effort to thank you. Thank him or her for the time they spent for you selfishly giving away a large part of their lives for us just take that it won't cost you a dime you cheap folks it won't cost you a cent but the next time a vet a person in the military gets in the elevator with you or you open the door for them to go in the store or comes into your church or your place of business just tell them thank you okay it's it's the least you can do and maybe it's just as important that we remember them at this time i totally agree uh next monday i will be leading a veterans day service where i work at a senior living place we have 400 people live at the place i'm at and i'll be leading the service for the some of the residents who have memory loss some people over 90 and every year one gentleman comes still in his uniform he was in the air force way back then and he likes to come and i thank him every time and the other gentlemen, uh, and what they went through is just remarkable. So our thanks for our military, for all that they do. Um, and we appreciate you listening to us today. Um, pardon the confusion. We're not confused about our love for our country and for our service people. 
And so we salute them tonight. And this is Paul Arnold saying goodnight for Ernest Watts and Travis Spear. Thank you.